0: We're continuing the series on routines and rituals that lead to righteousness, that lead to godliness, that lead to right living. And as always, there are other parallels in our lives that we use to explain this. Habits are useful. Those that are good, they bless us. They lead us to good health. They lead us to good speech. They lead us to good treatment of others because we practice that. Anything that we get good at, we have to practice. Well, the same thing is true with godliness, with righteousness. We have to practice making right decisions, good decisions. And God commands us to do that. He wants us to obey Him. And every time we obey Him, it is easier to obey Him the next time. Every time we disobey Him, then we begin to form a habit of disobedience very quickly that we can make habits that lead to disobedience. And so we have to be filled with the Spirit, come under the Spirit's control to form rituals that lead to godliness. Now, this is all the way from the Torah all the way through the entire Bible. You see, God said to Moses, when you go into the land, you need to teach your children. This is in Deuteronomy chapter 6. He said, you need to teach your children. Now, when do you do that? Do you do that once a week, once a day? Absolutely not. He said, you do it when you get up of the morning. He said, you do it when you sit at the table. You do it when you walk by the wayside. You do it before you go to bed. You see, you do it as a way of life. That's how we learn to do anything. You might go in and listen to a concert pianist, and you say, Oh, I'd love to play like that. Well, maybe you could, maybe you couldn't, but the fact is, whatever you do, uh, you would have to practice a lot. To be that good. It just doesn't come to us. We have to work at it. And anything that's worth anything, we have to work at. And so it is with rituals that lead to righteousness. God said, do it. Do it in the morning, do it at noontime, do it at the evening. That's true about prayer, that's true about Bible study. We have to form rituals in our lives. And we don't need to be afraid of rituals because they are abused from time to time. Everyone abuses rituals because they are habits, and they're not an end in themselves. Sometimes we make them that, but that's not God's design. God's design is for us to use habits and to develop habits that will bring about goodness and godliness and righteousness in our lives. And so we've been talking about those areas of forming good habits and doing those things which please God, and I began with baptism simply because that's not a habit. That's not something we do, but it is the beginning of a habit, and that is obedience. If we're not willing to obey God in the smallest things, that is the first things, the priority things, how is it that we are going to obey Him in even weightier things? In our culture in the West, when a person is baptized, it basically costs us nothing except to do something in front of somebody. And we do other things in front of people without any worry whatsoever, if indeed we feel like it's worth it. So when we are baptized, we are confessing our faith in Jesus Christ. That is one thing that God asks us to do to start forming a habit that leads to righteousness and godliness. And again, I'm not talking about righteousness in the sense of salvation, but righteous living. And I talked to you about reading the Word of God and forming a habit of getting in the Word of God every day and singing praises to God and reading praises to God in the Psalms. Uh, reading the wisdom literature of the book of Proverbs. And then I talk to you about prayer and about really what it means to pray, not just listing off things, but coming before God with an open heart and an open mind and an open Bible. And that brings about confession in our life, confession of sin. As we read where we are in the Bible and what God says to do, it's like a mirror. It shows us where we are, and then it has a cleansing agent that is inherent within it. As we read it and we examine our hearts and we find out we're not where we need to be with God in comparison to His Word, then we repent of sin, and God washes us and cleanses us by the washing of the water, by the Word, and by the Spirit of God. And that's His way of getting us to walk with Him, to knowing Him, and to being what He wants us to be. And then i also talked to you about giving. Yesterday we talked about the concept that is taught in the Bible about tithing. And the other is free will love offerings. In the matter of tithing, sometimes people say, well, that's only Old Testament. That's only taught in the Tanakh. Living a grateful life and honoring God and giving Him His rightful place in giving is not just an Old Testament concept. It's a New Testament concept. Concept. It's a biblical concept. God wants us to honor him with our tithe because he is the one that sets how he is to be honored, not us. And he said that there is a pattern that is set to say thank you, which is 10%. Now, that's not the ending place of giving. That's just the beginning. And sometimes people will say, well, I know that. But, you know, God doesn't put that on us. It's not a restriction upon us or it's not a mandate. That's Old Testament. That's a But since Jesus, that's not so. Well, that's just not so. Because in the book of Luke, Jesus said, But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe. He said that the Pharisees, as you know, who were many times hypocritical, for you tithe meant, that is, one out of every ten leaves you would tie, and rue all manner of herbs, and pass by justice and the love of God. Now look what he says. He's saying you, you get down to the minutiae of tithing, and you make sure you tie every leaf on every plant and herb, but you pass by and forget the more weighty matters, justice and the love of God, all those things that are very important to God in every sense of the word. He said these you ought to have done, that is tithing, without leaving the others undone. And he said these things you ought to have done. Now, why would he say that if tithing was not important? He said you should have done that. Why? Because it's the way that we say thank you to God, and he's given us a pattern of 10%. All of us need a paradigm, and sometimes people get the idea that if all we, if we're if we saved, that that we'll always do the right thing. Well, that's not true. That's just not true in your life or my life or anyone's life. Just because we're saved doesn't mean that we don't choose to disobey God because many times we do, sometimes out of ignorance, but most of the time out of willful rebellion. And to say that you're always going to give what you should is just not so. And so God has laid out a pattern and said, you need to give 10%. Now this is in every area of life. Now if you're mature enough and you give 15, 20, 30, 40, 50%, or as some have done in the past, 90%, live on 10%, that's between you and the Lord. But the First 10 is pretty well laid out in Scripture. And again, this is in every area of life. In our relation to God, He has a pattern for us to follow. Even in how we pray, evening, morning, and noon, I will pray. King David did that. And that is a pattern throughout Scripture. And so why don't we do that? Well, it's because we say, well, I'll pray when I want to. Well, we should be living, yes, an attitude of prayer, but there were designed prayers by the Jews to fulfill these Mandates that God puts upon our lives that are good. So all of these things are very needful. And when I was a, just a learning how to write, learning how to print, and learning how to do cursive, there were these big blue horse and a big chief pads, and they had a big A on one side, on the left-hand side, and little a, and that would be the paradigm. That would be the template that we would follow. And do you know if you are like most children, if you'll remember, you had a tendency about halfway across the page to start looking at the last letter instead of going all the way back to that paradigm. And the farther you got away from that paradigm, it seemed the smaller the letters would be. Rarely would they be larger. Well, I think the same thing is true that I've noticed in my own life and in the lives of those that I've pastored, which have been thousands and thousands of people now down through the four decades of ministry that God's given me. And that is, the farther we get away from the original template, the smaller it is. And that's true in giving. And if you're not careful, you'll justify not giving to God in order to do something that you think might be righteous or holy or godly, and giving it to someone else or in some kind of ministry. But the reality is, much of what we do doesn't reflect the paradigms that God's given us. And that's true in time. Tithing, we get away from it. You can tithe or not tithe, that's up to you. It's not going to be a matter of your salvation, but it might reflect your salvation because it is a matter of obedience. Tithing is biblical, and you need to give ten percent of your income to God. And that's a starting place. There are free will love offerings. In 1 Corinthians 16, you have often quoted the first and second verses where Paul was admonishing the Corinthians that he was going to come and see them, and that he wanted them to lay by in store every week as God has blessed them. If they had been blessed that week, something extra, they were to set aside, and he was going to come by and take an offering to Jerusalem. Now, I want you to notice the context. You can see this in the book of Acts, you can see it in First Corinthians 3 his epistles, he was taking a free will love offering, not tithes, but free will love offerings to the famished saints in Jerusalem who were undergoing hard times. These were Jews that without them, the gospel would not have gotten out at all. And Paul was trying to say thank you materially to them by taking them a love offering. And this is where 1 Corinthians 16 comes in. He's not talking about the tithe. There is no way contextually you can make that talk. About the tithe. This is talking about a free will love offering. Remember, I told you there were two kinds of giving in the Bible tithe and free will love offerings. A free will love offering is an over and above offering, it's beyond the tithe. In other words, those people in Corinth, they continued to support the local churches there, they continued to give to the poor in that area, they continued to do what God had given them to do to support those who were taking the gospel out from their region. All of those things. But yet, Paul said there's a special need in Jerusalem, and we owe them a debt. That's what he said. I mean, if they have given us the spiritual heritage of the Word of God, and they have given us the spiritual heritage of the Lord Jesus, they've given us the spiritual heritage that for the first seven to eight years of the Christian church, it was all made up of Jews. The gospel went out from the Jews, from Jerusalem, then we should help those that have been a blessing to us. And so that's what that offering was all about. It was not about tithing. It was about offerings. And you see that all the way through the scriptures Great building programs, the temple, the tabernacle, those were with the free will love offerings of the people. As God had opened up their heart to give, they were to give. Now, I know some people say that I am a thousand miles off. That's okay. They can disagree with me, but it's right there in the Scriptures. You can read it for yourself. Again, let's keep it in context. And in context, when you see see there are two kinds of offerings there's tithing and there's free will love offerings everything will begin to come clear for you so i pray this helps you in your giving because again we need to live to give as we walk on the way this is tony crisp thanks for listening to on the way with tony crisp tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages people places and prophecies fridays are for your questions